A few years ago, a global research network asked thousands of people, what do they think about most while they have a shower? What do you think about when you have a shower? Do you know, I thought about this. Well, I don't think about too much. I'm not sure what that says about me. But in the global research group, here's what they found as the top responses. Number one, to-do lists. Number two, problems and worries. Number three, daydreaming. And number four, work. You know, that's an interesting glimpse into what's occupying us as we wake up in the morning or as we wind down in the evening, the two times when most people take a shower. People are looking for all sorts of ways to find peace today. You know, I Googled yesterday online on Amazon.com website and I typed in the subject peace. And do you know, I saw that there were over 100,000 results on books about peace Now, there are obviously many, many people still searching for answers on peace. In fact, I saw a couple of interesting titles. Get this one. 200 Natural Remedies for Balance and Creating Calm. That's astounding. Think about it. We have no peace in our lives, and then we've got to work through 200 remedies. Here's another interesting title. Inner Peace for Busy People. 52 Strategies for Transforming Your Life. You're seeking peace? Sure. Just work through 52 strategies. Here's another one I saw. It said, peace, love, and the low-carb diet. Well, I've got to say, being from an Italian family who loves food, pasta, bread, I do not equate low-carb with peace. Peace. You know, so many of us are seeking it. The truth is very few people in this world are at peace with themselves. Most people carry a high degree of stress or anxiety in their lives. In fact, in the current landscape we're experiencing, especially here in Melbourne with the coronavirus impact on life, it's been extremely challenging. So many people. The encouragement I want to bring to you today is that you can know peace. Even in the most difficult, stressful or anxious times, you can know a peace that really can carry you through. In the Bible, the Apostle Paul writes, Colossians 3.15, says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since you are called to have peace. You know, the Greek word translated rule here is used only one time in the Bible and it means to umpire. The verse is saying we should let the peace of God be the umpire in our lives. Now, what does an umpire do? He keeps the peace. Well, they're meant to, right? For any passionate footy lovers out there who feels your team is regularly hard done by umpires, I'm actually talking about what an umpire should do. They, he or she should make sure that the game is played in a smooth and orderly manner, that things are relatively calm. You know, God wants to give you an internal umpire who will keep you at peace even when everything around seems chaotic. Have you ever felt or or said, I need to get away? In fact, I I reckon there's a fair chance 99.9% of us are saying that right now here in Melbourne in isolation. If only we could get away. Have you ever been so tired at night, your body collapses in bed and your mind just won't switch off? Your mind races from one thing to another. Well, you can try to get away. You can, you, with lockdown, even though most of us with lockdown aren't going anywhere, but if you could go today, say to tropical North Queensland, you could go there, but if you don't have emotional peace, 
your mind will still be racing even when you're walking along that beach. You cannot run away from yourself. You see, we all need spiritual peace. And that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. We need emotional peace as well. We need both spiritual peace and emotional peace. And there are so many things that can rob us of peace. Many of us know from experience that relationships can be the source of stress. For most of us, our biggest problems are people problems. Getting along with family, relatives, people at work, friends, partners, ex-part. We must deal with the conflict and the competition and the all these things rob us of peace. And then there's the circumstances of life that things don't go the way we'd like them to. Maybe it's health issues or work or financial circumstances. They all take our peace away. But can we really find it? Can we really find true inner peace? Now, let me say right up front that peace has nothing to do with problem-free living. If you have to wait until all your problems are solved to be at peace, you're never going to be at peace. In fact, much of your life, you are going to have some kind of conflict or trouble. But did you know that you can have peace of mind in the conflict, in the anxious time? And this really points to having a correct understanding of what peace really is. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You know, there are two different types of peace. The peace of Jesus and the peace of the world. The peace of the world is that myth that if you can just escape the difficult or the troublesome stuff that's going on, you'll have peace. The peace of the world is actually a peace based on your circumstance. The problem with this is that as the circumstances of life changes, so does the measure of peace uh, change with the experiences. You can be like a yo-yo going through life if you're dependent on the circumstances, but it doesn't give us that deep, sustaining peace. The peace of Jesus is something else. Now, Jesus' life was far from tranquil. He lived with minimal clothing and possessions. He worked long hours, often under stressful conditions. He faced tremendous opposition. He had opposition from the nation's establishment, at times from the general population, even from his own family. He had constant rejection almost on a daily basis. And yet he says, my peace I give to you. Now, somewhere driving past all the tensions that are in the mind and body, all the noisy distresses of life circumstances, Jesus enjoyed a deeply rooted inner tranquility. He had some sense of rightness about life that went deeper than the constantly changing circumstances he faced. I want to illustrate this with an event that happens recounted in the Gospels when Jesus and his disciples are in a fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee. In Luke chapter 8, verses 22 onwards, we're told a raging storm is swamping the boat. It looks like it's going to go under and take everyone down with it. Now we're told that while this is happening, Jesus is sleeping inside the boat. You know, it's fascinating that Jesus could sleep through a raging storm while the, the disciples' reaction is panic. Well, we know the storm was really severe because a number of the disciples... Now, remember, these disciples, a number of them were experienced fishermen. 
They'd been through storms before, but their reaction of panic shows that they didn't think they were going to get through this one. So it begs the question, in the midst of a frightening storm, how can Jesus be sleeping? Well, he knew something that the disciples didn't at that point, and that was that God was in control. It didn't look as if he was, but Jesus gets up and with one word from him, the wind and the raging waters subside. Jesus experienced peace in what understandably should have been an anxious situation. You know, somehow I think we're confused about how we find peace. We find ourselves living with some thoughts about peace that are based on the circumstances we're in. We might be lured into thinking, we'll get peace when there's enough money in the bank or when the doctor's good report arrives or when I find the right relationship or when I get that long enough holiday or when I get the perfect job or maybe when the COVID-19 isolation's finally over. I mean, we can live in the myth that if somehow everything around us would be different the way we want it, then we will have peace. You know, this is not what Jesus promised. Jesus never promised that we wouldn't have problems, but he did promise that we could have peace in the midst of the problems, in the midst of the uncertainties. And God says you can have the same peace that Jesus had. So how do we do that? How, How do we find this peace in the midst of circumstances and there are three important decisions that you need to make and when you choose these things it will produce peace in your life and the first decision is to accept what cannot be changed accept what cannot be changed worrying about what cannot be changed won't give you peace you know some people lose peace because they want someone to change in their lives who won't change have you ever tried to change anybody i mean have you ever had a personal improvement program for a partner or for a child, and how did it go? I mean, they they just don't cooperate and they can't, and you can't figure out why they're not working on the things you want them to work on and they resist it and then maybe resent you. You see, when things cannot be changed in your life, then often a result is resentment or bitterness or even guilt, and this doesn't bring peace. Some people lose peace because things are uncontrollable. In the normal times of life, you might be frustrated because you're stuck in traffic and you've got an appointment to get to. Or you're, you're going to a footy game and the trains have stopped. You're going to miss the opening bounce. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You just sit there and frustration just rises. Or there are more important things in life that can be beyond your control. There can be job promotions that you were looking for that just didn't happen or health issues that just hit you or a financial challenge that you couldn't avoid. You know, lots of things can just end up being out of your control. And when that happens, we get frustrated and we lose our peace of mind. You know, one step that will lead to helping you find peace is acceptance, acceptance of what can't be changed. There's a great example of this in the Bible in the book of 2 Samuel 12. There's a story of King David who'd had a young baby, but the young baby was dying. And David did everything he could to keep that baby from dying. He prayed in the temple for seven days all night long. He fasted. He wept. He pleaded with God, God, please save this baby. But on the seventh day, the baby died. 
Now, God did not answer his prayer with that outcome. And I don't know why. And maybe someday we'll learn uh, what purpose there was in, in that baby not surviving. But when David's advisors heard that the baby had died, they were afraid to tell him. They thought this guy's nearly over the edge with the baby near death. When he finds out the child's actually died, he's going to lose it all. But David heard them whispering and he asked them, has the child died? And they said, yes. And then David got up, went and took a bath, put on clean clothes, ate a big meal, and then he went back to work. Now, his advisors were astounded. They said, King David, what are you doing? You're in agony when your child was in near death, and now that he's died, it's looking like you're okay. What's happened? And David says this in the scripture, the child has gone to heaven, and one day I will die, and I'll be reunited and go to heaven with that child. In the meantime, listen to this, there's nothing else I can do. I've got to get back to work. See, David accepted what could not be changed. And you know, God's word in scripture says that in the mystery of God, there are some things that are beyond human comprehension. And we will not understand until such time as the spirit reveals it. We need to be able to accept the things we can't change. You've got to do what you can do but then accept what can't be changed. That's the starting point. The second step I want to suggest is to trust in God's purpose. If we want to experience God's peace, we must trust in God's purpose. And God has a big picture. I mean, who would have expected when we celebrated New Year's Eve, the turn of the new year, the crisis that we now find ourselves in? You know, the thing about crises is that they're often unpredictable and they come when we least expect them. If what, with what's going on at the moment, if you feel like, you know, saying, why me? Why us? Here's a really important point for you today, and it'll help to find peace. There is a purpose to be found in your problems. You know, when I was a kid, I, I went and stayed with my grandparents um, on some weekends, and uh, they lived in a terrace house in Ligon Street, Carlton. It's, I think it's a restaurant now, the place they lived in. Anyway, my step-granddad took me for the afternoon to St Kilda Beach. And we walked along the pier, but the pier was one of those old rundown ones with wooden boards, and, and I was barefoot. And you know what happened? I got splinters. I got numerous splinters on each foot. I painfully got back to their place. I was in pain. I was crying. I was whinging. And my step-granddad started the process of taking the splinters out with tweezers. But every time he went anywhere near where my foot was, of course, was starting to, to really look like it was going to be infected, I would cry out and say, don't touch it there. It, it hurts too much. Just leave me. I was spluttering. Man, did I get upset with my granddad step-granddad in that moment as he took, patiently took each splinter out. Now, of course, what I was failing to realise was that my felt problems at the time of the pain I was feeling in the foot, that there was actually a purpose for the greater feeling of pain to get those splinters out. I mean, I was too young to understand that, you know, that is the right thing to happen and there's a purpose in the extra pain I'm going through. You know, we may not wish for there to be pain or suffering and we may not understand why we're going through, but, you know, the reality is that pain can be productive. Pain can teach us a whole lot. I mean, it can teach us to be patient in life. 
It can teach us not to be so driven about our own wants and needs. Pain can lead us to make healthy changes in our lives. And pain can teach us to turn to a higher power. And that higher power is found in God. But you know, in order to let the tough times be of benefit to us, we need to do something on our part. And that thing to do is to trust. To trust in a God who really can be trusted, to trust that he has a purpose in our troubles. And even when things do not make sense, to trust that he has a purpose. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6, I like the way the message version puts this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Let's consider trust. You know, there are so many things in life that don't make sense. There are so many things in life we're experiencing now that that are out of our control. What are we going to do in such situations where you trust? It's really all you can do. Don't try and figure it out yourself because, you know, often we do that all the time, don't we? think if I could just understand why, then I'll feel better. And we waste so much energy and, and time trying to figure things out. But you know what? Trying to figure things out doesn't necessarily lead to feeling any better. God urges us to trust him and then the peace comes. We need to face the fact that not all, not all our questions are going to be answered in this lifetime. What I have to do is trust him, trust in his power, trust in the love that he has for us so we might experience peace. And this trust is founded on a truth, and it's that God has a purpose for whatever you're going through. I love this verse in Romans chapter 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Not everything that happens is what God wants in this world, but you can know this, God has the power to work whatever's happening for good. And all God expects from you is to trust him. And, and, you know, on the boat swamped by a raging storm, the disciples are so freaked out. And I think it's because they were focusing on the storm. They were focusing on the threat of the boat capsizing and them dying. And they, they really were trying to fight the circumstances. See, they'd lost focus of the one who was actually with them on the boat, the one who actually had the power over the situation. What would you have been focusing on the boat? You know, I don't blame the disciples for looking at the storm and looking at the hopelessness of their situation. You know, that's being human. But there was a better way. And, you know, sometimes we can be so focused on the problems that we lose sight of the one that can help us in these problems, one that can lead us through. Remember, Jesus was sleeping like a baby while the boat was being tossed around. It's because he trusted in his Father God who is in heaven, who is directing his life. That's peace. In Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You, Lord, give true peace to those who rely on you because they trust in you. See, God gives peace to those who trust in him because they depend on him. Now, sometimes God may seem silent. You know, that's the test of trust. Do you trust that he loves you? Do you trust in his care? And many of us respond to the trying situations of life and, and, and often we make some fatal mistakes. One, one response is that when you face an uncontrollable situation, you just try harder. You think, I'm just going to make this thing work. And then in the end, you make everyone miserable and you make yourself miserable 
and you know, become unhappy. Or, or some people do the exact opposite and they just give up, don't want to try anymore, give in to the despair. But, you know, both of those responses don't work. Instead, you need to take a third step in the path to peace, and that is to surrender to God's loving control. You know, this is how you practically demonstrate trust in God. You let go of your hold and you surrender to God's way. This is the path of being a disciple, of being a follower in Jesus. Back in Luke 8, the boat threatening to sink in the storm. In verse 24, the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And then we read Jesus, he got up rebuked the wind and the raging storms. Then the storm subsided and all was calm. And then Jesus says to the disciples, where is your faith? See, Jesus knew that God was in control, that God's got this. And that's what Jesus had been looking at from his disciples, that they would have faith. Faith is that belief in God that knows he's got this. Even when the circumstances suggest otherwise, And to you tuning in today, I want you to know this. In your life right now, no matter what you're going through, God's got this. You have a choice to make, though, and that is will you trust or not trust? Every day you wake up with a decision to make. Who's going to be in charge of my life? Am I going to be in control or is God going to be in control? And when you take control, you play God and the more miserable you become and the more out of control life becomes because it doesn't work. Muhammad Ali many years ago was the world's champion heavyweight boxer and he was pretty arrogant and he was very successful and he would just go around saying, I am the greatest, I am the greatest and uh, and he really was a, gr- a great boxer. Well, actually, there's a story that went around about Muhammad Ali when he was champion of the world. He was taking a flight and he was seated on a plane. And as the plane was taxing on the runway, he didn't put his seatbelt on. And so the stewardess came and said, please, Mr. Ali, put your seatbelt on. And he refused. And so she asked him again, "Look, please put your seatbelt on. And then she became fairly concerned and said, the plane's about to take off. Mr. Ali, you must put your seatbelt on. And Ali looked back at her with indifference and he said, Lady, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Well, the stewardess was on the ball because she quit back. Yeah, well, Superman don't need no airplane either. She got him there. Well, years later, in Ali's later life, when he was struggling with Parkinson's disease, there's a poignant scene at the Los Angeles Olympics. Muhammad Ali has been chosen to light the torch, big deal, to start the Olympics. And the cameras were on him. And as he climbed the stairs with the palsied Parkinson's shake, you could see him shaking so much he could barely light that torch from the shaking in his body. Later in an interview, Ali said, God gave me that so that I could remember, actually, I am not the greatest. He is. You know, that spot on wisdom from Ali there. If you want to have a deep, personal, satisfying peace of mind in your heart and soul, you've got to let go of your hold on your life and surrender totally to God. Whatever situation you find yourself in, the good news is that you can have the peace of God in your life. But first, you've got to make peace with God. How do you do that? By surrendering your life and putting your faith 
in Jesus Christ. If you're angry or struggling with God about something, or maybe you're over it with the coronavirus pandemic, or there's an illness in the family, or a job success that didn't come, or a marriage that's struggling or didn't work out, or that big disappointment that just didn't happen, I just want to encourage you. The path to peace is let go of your grasp on it. God has a greater purpose for your life than the problems you're going through. He loves you deeply. He wants you to trust him. So accept what cannot be changed. Trust in the purpose he has and surrender to his control for your life. I'd like to pray with you right now. Loving God, please grant every person listening a peace of mind, calm the troubled heart. Where souls are like the turbulent sea, bring your power to bring the peace and the settledness. Where there is worry, breathe your spirit to take away the concerns and the anxiety. Help each of us to trust you, Jesus, to accept what we cannot change, to trust in your control of the circumstances. Help us to see the purpose as we walk on the path you have laid out, full of hope, knowing we are loved greatly by you. Amen.